State's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen here with you. Innovations in surgery can lead to safer and more effective treatment for patients. And here to share some of the new innovations and technologies being developed in urology right here in central New York are Dr. Dmitry Nikolovsky. He's Assistant Professor of Urology and the Director of Reconstructive Urology, and Dr. Jonathan Riddle. He's Assistant Professor of Pediatric Urology, both from Upstate Medical University. Welcome to you both. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having us here. Good morning. So breakthroughs in surgical interventions, especially surgical reconstructions, can really have a profound effect on the lives of patients. And you've both been involved in pioneering some of these breakthroughs. Dr. Nikolovsky, let me start with you. You're pr principally working with adults. And I know yes. you've recently done something, a procedure that you developed here, which is a reconstruction for a urethra and I want you to explain exactly what we're talking about, that has been damaged by either an accident or some kind of traumatic event. Explain what that is. Thank you. Uh, I will explain first that uh, as urologists, we deal with, uh, with basically tubes uh, connecting the kidneys to the bladder. Uh, the bladder is a bigger tube, and then the, the tube that connects the bladder to the outside world, this is a series of tubes, and you could describe us as human plumbers. The idea here is you're basically um, working on a system that allows us to urinate and to, and to excrete things from our body that are no longer needed in right. the form, in this case, of urine. Yes, yeah, so it, sometimes uh, uh, accidents, uh, tragedies may happen, and uh, people may develop complete disconnection of these tubes. In this case, we're talking about the ure urethra, which is the tube connecting the bladder to the outside world. And uh, you know, some of these uh, traumas and uh, scar tissue is, are, are very easy to fix. And in some cases, uh, large pieces of these tubes or urethra could be completely missing uh, as a result of unfortunate accidents. But so, this kind of surgery has been done, obviously, for many, many years. What is new about what you have done in this circumstance? The, the option for this uh, terrible, devastating uh, uh, conditions where the whole gigantic pieces of urethra are missing are, are very few. And uh, when I had my first patient presenting with this, uh, I looked over what's available in the literature, and uh, the options were pretty horrible. And I, I just couldn't see myself putting my patient through uh, through those options, and uh, and basically, if if I gave up, patient would be living with a catheter for the rest of his life. So he did basically have a tube to the outside that was not natural; it wasn't his urethra right. itself. Right. Correct. Um, so I, I looked into uh, what's available, and then I created c combination of uh, other techniques uh, that made me create this boutique surgery for that particular patient um, for this. Uh, patient, I had to reconstruct about uh, four inches of the missing urethra, and for that I had to use uh, tissue from uh, the inside of the, of the mouth, the the lining, this, the thin lining of the mouth in combination of the muscle of the leg, and it took two stages, two trips to the operating room to actually make the missing piece of that urethra. So you basically took some of the person's leg and some of the lining of their mouth and really made them a brand new urethra. If you say it like this, yes. It, it wasn't like I took a piece of leg. I, I used the muscle that most people don't use unless they're Jean-Claude right. Van Damme. <laughs> uh, uh, 
other than that, we, we don't really use that muscle for anything. So, so that's, a, that really was a breakthrough and a kind of a pioneering kind of um, procedure. And it, are, is that being done now more regularly? Yeah, I was surprised that uh, another three patients uh, came with exactly the same condition after the first one. And uh, so there are four people reconstructed in this uh, manner here and another two in India. Uh, I traveled to my mentor in India and he had a couple of patients that also suffered for years uh, living with catheters. And uh, together we put these people back together and they can urinate normally now. That's fantastic. So Dr. Rill, you, from a pediatric perspective, there are some new things that you've been engaged in. Let me first ask you about some of the newer diagnostic techniques that you're using. Uh, locally here in uh, central New York, we're fortunate to have very good prenatal ultrasound, which identifies problems in uh, uh, unborn children uh, prior uh, uh, to them being born, where these problems would usually present with symptoms or damage later on, and in our case, it's usually the kidneys uh, uh, that are the issue. So we're able to identify these problems so that we can either intervene before birth or intervene shortly after birth in order to prevent kidney damage, urinary tract infections, and other problems that can potentially affect the so fetus. So let me get this straight. You can actually do something before the baby is born while the fetus is in utero? R rarely we do. We can actually put in uh, uh, what we call shunts, which are small tubes, which will say uh, a bladder is obstructed in utero and it's causing back pressure on the kidney. We can, using ultrasound guidance and a small needle, be able to put in a little tube that will drain the bladder and allow the kidneys to develop more normally. That is incredible. <laughs> it is very incredible. And is this something that is fairly new and new to our area? Has it spread to other areas? Or is this being done pretty much on a national basis? Uh, most uh, in utero surgeries being done in centers of excellence. Some of the, the, the less involved procedures such as shunts are being done locally with the, uh, with the help of the upstate uh, obstetrical group, Dr. Silverman. And, and his group. So uh, this is available locally as well as on a national level, but definitely the technology is being applied here at Upstate. So I guess the other thing that, uh, that struck me is that all both of you have been involved in trying to kind of pioneer more minimally invasive technologies so that, you know, for many, many reasons, obviously, um, it helps the patients in so many ways, the healing time, the the danger of infection, all of that. For children, the Da Vinci robot is, is something that was mostly used for adults. Is it being used for children currently? With the help of uh, our chairman, uh, Dr. Brodslavsky, who's a robot pioneer who came to the Syracuse area to bring it to adults, I've been able to apply that same technology to children. Uh, the Da Vinci robot uses small incisions less than a quarter inch at times in order to enter the children's usually abdominal cavity and perform precise operations in, in, to reconstruct, as Dr. Nikolovsky pointed out earlier, tubes that may not have developed correctly from birth or tubes that are blocked or tubes that don't work. We're able to do this sort of reconstruction with the Da Vinci robot rather than large incisions. And this is making children that do come to hospital able to go home often the next day 
without so, the morbidity of, of a long hospital stay or the pain of large incisions. That's amazing. It really is. So, but minimally invasive is kind of a, the, the watchword these days, Dr. Nikolovsky. Give me an example of another kind of minimally invasive technique you may have done. But before you do that, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen along with urologist Dr. Dmitry Nikolovsky and Dr. Jonathan Riddle. We're talking about some new advances in reconstructive urology. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, so if you extrapolate the minimally invasive indefinitely and make an incisions ever smaller and smaller, uh, you can imagine that eventually there'll be no incisions. And, and that uh, was my kind of philosophical thought when I, I was thinking, is it possible to create a urethroplasty or plastic operation for the urethra, the tube that connects the bladder to the outside? Is it possible to make it through the urethra itself? And... Uh, and not to have an open procedure. Of not any to have kind. an open procedure. Uh, so we developed here a reconstruction of at least part of the urethra through the urethra itself using camera, uh, and it became an outpatient procedure. Uh, so instead of hospital stay even overnight, basically patient wakes up and goes home the same day, and uh, the idea was to deliver this graft again from the cheek, like we described into the urethral incision, through the urethra, secure it safely, and um, uh, because there is no incisions, there's less pain, sooner return home, uh, and uh, no risk of wound complications because there is no wound. That's pretty, that's pretty dramatic. So that is also a kind of a, a real pioneering kind of effort because it's a novel way to think about it. Has that taken off beyond uh, your own practice? Yes, I was, uh, I was very happy this uh, video of this procedure was selected uh, uh, for presentation of, um, at our biggest conference in the United States and won one of the awards. And as soon as it was shown in May, I received uh, tens and by now probably hundreds of messages from around the world saying, hey, I just did one, I just did one, I watched the video, I did one. So in the last three months, I received many messages from uh, Australia, Indonesia, India, um, Argentina, Mexico, people saying, I just did one just like yours. So I was very happy to hear that. So that really is kind of like an inventor, <laughs> a urologic inventor. <laughs> Dr. Rilla, you've also been doing some work with vulnerable populations, which is new, certain types of, tell us about that. Oh, one of the areas of, of, of interest I have is in uh, some of the more unfortunate children that have been either born with or developed spinal cord abnormalities. Uh, children can be born with these in the form of what's called spina bifida, or they can develop uh, uh, similar problems if they have had a motor vehicle accident and develop a spinal cord injury. What is not well known about these, although they have other devastating issues is these children struggle with bowel and bladder continence and I've been working with uh, uh, my colleagues here at Upstate and tried to develop minimally invasive ways to treat these children's continence and for that we've been using the da Vinci robot for major reconstructions but also we've uh, pushed the envelope in terms of using uh, uh, Botox uh, injections which uh, as most people know are used for wrinkles, but they'll also uh, are very potent muscle relaxant. And we've used them in these children that have a very spastic bladder in order to relax their bladder to accommodate urine in order to obtain control. And 
it's very important to me to treat these vulnerable uh, uh, children because it uh, can really improve their self-esteem. The and other their quality th- of life and overall. And their quality of life overall, absolutely. And we've also developed uh, some procedures for the bowel here as well. So uh, uh, both bowel and bladder continence are of paramount importance for these young, young children. So Botox is not just for wrinkles. Absolutely. <laughs> We've been hearing more and more about the use of Botox, even for headaches, migraines, all of that kind of thing. So obviously this is a very, um, another very important use of it, and, that, and that's exciting to hear. Um, I don't want to run out of time, but Dr. Nikolovsky, there's one other last thing I wanted you to talk about, and this is this, this um, liquid graft. Can you explain what that is and what, what you were able to do? Because that's another very novel approach. Again, the philosophical idea is you could you could plant you could plant grass in two different ways. You could roll it as a sod, or you could seed it. So I was thinking, since we're working with grafts, these are pieces of tissue, like basically equivalent of sod, that you could roll on the urethra, and we do it for the last probably 30, 40 years. I thought, what if we um, again develop a minimally invasive uh, approach? If we could develop seeds instead of uh, the roll of tissue and just spray paint basically the wound uh, with this kind of graft. So we have uh, animal experiments here, very promising. We just recently published uh, uh, the results, working with more animals to to really fine-tune this idea and also working with FDA to see if we could uh, try it as a trial in humans. And I, I think in some form, this will be the future of reconstruction instead of grafts being rolled, maybe grafts being sprayed, uh, and it, it will it will help the so reconstruction. Just from my own edification and to try to understand, you're saying bits of tissue then are basically sprayed into an area of a wound and they take root, so to speak, and begin to proliferate and duplicate? Is that the uh, idea? Without too many details. We are still working with two pot- potential um, with two potentials here, both bits of tissue and individual cells, and we'll see which one, which type of uh, sprayable graft is the best graft. And, and this is just a... This is just the beginning of a brand new type of research. I, I bet uh, 50 years from now, people will be laughing at how we did our little airplane in the bicycle shop, that it will be some kind of soup full of uh, graft cells that will be probably taken off the shelf and probably sprayed in, in, in patients in large quantities. Well, it sounds very futuristic, very exciting, and I'm so glad you both came in and shared some of these really novel innovations in urologic surgery. My guests have been Dr. Dmitry Nikolovsky, Assistant Professor of Urology and the Director of Reconstructive Urology, and Dr. Jonathan Riddle, Assistant Professor of Pediatric Urology at Upstate Medical University. I'm Linda Cohen. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink On Air.